Hey, this is Damon Atkinson. I play drums in Braid and Hey Mercedes, and you are listening to my chapter on As the Story Grows. What would you say you do here? Have a good time all the time. Who's got it better than us? Nobody! What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Well, I'll tell you what I'm blathering about. I've got information, man. I want you to be realistic. What do you love about music? Are you being realistic? As the story grows. You got this, Travis. Make him wait for it. Boom. Back to the next chapter of As the Story Grows. My name is Trav. I have Damon Adkinson on for this episode, chapter, whatever you want to call it. Damon, thank you so much for coming on, man. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I have been listening to you for a long time, and I play the drums, and I think you are one of the drummers that people say I rip off the most. So, um... I don't know if that's a, a pending lawsuit or if you're proud of that or what, but uh, you've you've influenced a lot of people, and um, uh, it's an honor to talk to you. I'm glad to have you on the show. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, no, it's not a lawsuit uh, okay. pending. It's definitely um, it's flattering. I, I've been I've been told that before, and I don't say that in a pompous way, like oh yeah, I get that all the time. I'm <laughs> very influential. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's no, it's it's honestly it's it's flattering. I mean it. Uh, I, you know, when I was a kid, when I was at like three years old and I started beating on pots and pans and stuff, and, and that was the point of my life when I realized that I wanted to play drums, mm-hmm. I never sought out. Now, granted, when I was really young, I did have dreams of being a rock star, right? Sure. That was a thing. But I never sat out and, and, you know, was determined to be an influential drummer that people... Right. Wanted to mimic or whatever, rip off or whatever. So it's it it is always it it has always been uh, very flattering when 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 I've heard that from people. So thank you. That was a beautiful speech. It's too bad you came across so pompous. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. No, that's me. You'll get to know real <laughs> pompous drummer. That's I am. Going back to you talking about being a kid and playing on pots and pans. We were talking about this before we got started here. That you, the only other podcast I've ever heard you on was Joe Wong uh, interviewed you for the Trap Set, and mm-hmm. I, I learned a lot about you from that. It was great. I'm gonna actually post a link to that, so if people are into you, they can listen to that too. Oh, but, cool. Um, yeah, I don't care. We're not competitive around here. Who gives a shit? Yeah. And um, I uh, I learned a lot about your uh, your upbringing. With um, you were influenced by a couple of your uncles, which I I, I kind of thought was interesting. I wanted to hear a little bit more about that. And I don't really remember you saying who some of your influences were, like who you were listening to. So, so tell me a little bit about Little Damon, Young Damon. Yeah, yeah. So uncles, yeah. So I had, um, t- well, I had three uncles, but two of them were uh, musicians, um, okay. and they played in bands. And um, and 
from an early age, really, really, really early age, my mom was kind of like rock and roll mom. So she was friends with a bunch of musicians. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that my uncles were musicians. So okay. my uncles played in bands. She became friends with them. And then um, and some of these bands used to practice in our basement. And so I was surrounded by it. You know, I had, you know, there was tons of gear in my basement and bands playing there. And, you know, these cool guys, you know, drinking beer, getting high, whatever. I'm just a little kid (laughs) running around. Um, And I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And it it was, it it, like, it really impacted me at a very, very early age. So um, what was really cool, as I got a little bit older and, 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 really truly knew that I wanted to be a drummer um the drummer of the band that used to practice at her house and was good friends with my with my mom and my uncles he would um during the week when they didn't have gigs you know they're like a local cover band essentially but okay whenever they didn't have shows he would actually come over to our house and bring his drums in and bring them downstairs into our basement and set them up for me and leave them there all week for me to play on right on and he would show me, you know, things here and there. And one of my uncles was was a drummer as well. So, yeah, he would show me some things. But really, they just let me go. They just let me play. And there, I, I've got this photo. Um, I think I've posted on Instagram, but if not, maybe maybe it's one of those things uh, I can I can do soon. But I've got this great photo from when I was five years old, and I was th- this band. They would play. Um, they play like, you know, county fairs and state fairs and stuff like that. So they're playing some fair at some point. And the, it was like intermission. And they, they brought me up on stage to just start playing the drums. And I was five years old. I was tiny. Wow. And, but my mom got this great photo of me behind the drum kit at this, at this show. And it's just, it just I mean, for, for myself, I, I love having that photo because it's yeah. – it's it's proof that I really started at a young age. Um, uh, <laughs> right. But but you know what's funny is like uh, for me personally, I remember the first time I saw a drum drum kit. I mean, I, I was probably three years old, but I okay. really I can remember walking down the basement stairs and seeing it for the first time, and then I can also remember the visual and the and the just the the feeling of being sat down on the drum stool at such a young age and thinking, Oh my God, this thing is massive. What, what is this? But I wasn't scared. I wanted to know more. Um, and just the same with that photo that I have, and maybe the photo helps me remember this, but I really remember that day. I remember going up on, on stage, sitting behind the drums, starting to play. And again, it was like during intermission. Right. So people were going to probably, you know, use the bathroom, go grab another beer, grab a snack, whatever. Right. And they kind of turned around. They thought the band was, kidding and they like act the band was going back on stage and all these people stood around watching me but i really remember that you know from that standpoint so that was um <laughs> that that that's how it all began for me and then in terms of influences well, wait, uh, wait, wait 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 when you started playing what happened did, did like did you get a lot of like yeah look at that little kid rocket or, or like oh yeah totally yeah the oh that's was, awesome oh yeah they, they went wild because they're like whoa hold on wait that's not the band it's some little kid that we can barely see because he's about two feet tall. <laughs> right. So was that when uh, the rock? That's when the rock star thing started because you were like, "Hey, I'm banging on shit and people yeah. are clapping." Right. Oh yeah, totally. Well, and 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 not even just that, but but going to watch this particular band play. I mean, it was the only band that you know I could go see and have, 
you know, I could be side stage and watch them play and I could watch the crowd okay. and I watch the crowd reaction. And I thought, man, that is really exciting. That's what I want. That's what I want to do. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's where the, the hopes and dreams of being a rock star came along and then just, you know, just being surrounded by it. I mean, I remember one time, um, you know, the band, you know, they, they, they would travel like with their own PA and lighting and, all of this stuff, and they had like they brought the truck to our garage. I don't know what I don't know why. I have no idea why they had to put their gear in our garage. Okay, but unless, for all I know, and this would be a cooler story if it was true, but um, unless they stole all the gear, oh man, and they had to dump it and get rid of it in like a, a place where no one would suspect. Um, I don't think that's true, but I think it would be a cool cooler story, but. But I remember going walking into my garage one time, and the entire garage, the two car garage, was full of gear stacked up on top of each other, just right. road cases, and and I was like, oh my god, I love this! Like I really, really, that like that. That's all I cared about from th- those moments on. That's all I gave a shit about. Um. So much so that, and I've told this story before on, I think, other podcasts, but so much so that when I, when I got my own drum kit and I used to play in my basement, I'd set up a little table. Um, and my mom still gives me a hard time about this because it was, it was her, her, her mother's old table that I think was probably handed down from her, like, her mom. So, like, okay. there's, like, generations involved in this table. Well, I took the legs off. Or the legs were off, and it was just a, a little table, a dining room table, and I set it on paint cans and bricks, and I made it into a drum riser, and I set my drums up on it, so I I destroyed the shit out of it. Ruined it. Oh, totally. It was ruined. She and still, I think also- she still, she still rides you about it? That's really funny. Yeah, it comes up every now and again uh, <laughs> for some reason. I don't know why, but, um, but- And I think my brother and I, uh, both little- Jackasses, but we used to skateboard down in our basement too. So I think we used that to like, you know, do rail slides on or you know whatever. So yeah, we destroyed that thing. But but <laughs> it's it, I, I was the uh, I was the initial culprit by using it as a stage. And what I would do in my basement is I don't I don't know how often. Just whenever I felt like doing it, I would just I would I would pack up all my drums, really nice and neat, and I put them off to the side, and then I would pack up the table which was my drum riser slash stage right and I, I would move it to another corner or end of my basement and s- reset everything back up and i used to have like this little like tapestry or it was probably just a stupid rug or something but it was it was like a backdrop and i would hang that up on the wall so i'd pull that down too and i had a couple little lights and i'd pull those down and i'd move basically i was going on tour in my basement oh my god dude i did the same shit i used to practice tearing down yeah uh, yeah i'd Which, be like I, I can cut i can cut two minutes off if i leave that symbol stand extended or like <laughs> I, stupid stuff like that yeah. i i totally feel you you went on tour in your basement that's great yeah i would i would i would do that for sure and then when it came time in real life to actually bring the drums out of the basement and go, you know, take them and, and play a show, I was pretty well seasoned there. I I knew how to do it. Right. A bunch in my Cause basement. Because you spent so much time on the road. <laughs> on the road. You've been in touring in your basement. <laughs> right. So, 
so that great. was the so that was the beginning stages. Now, uh, uh, going back to your other question about influences, um, I mean, at, at first, so when I remember playing drums in my basement before I had a band, I remember playing. I used to play, and I probably for like a year straight. This is going to be a random one, really random. Probably people listening to this would be like, "Who? What? Hit me, go!" But I and. It, if you know the record, you'll know that it's easy as shit to play to as a drummer because okay. there's nothing to it. But I used to play along to The Cult, and the album was Electric. I don't know it well enough to say that I know it. So the drummer was Matt Sorum. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, um, but it, it, it's just it's like, it's just, I don't know, it's just rock. It's yeah. just kind of, you know, whatever. But I, I for whatever reason, that point, point in my life i got turned on to that record and i was like well i just got a drum set i'm gonna play along to it and right. i would just for hours and just and it's super easy but um and then it, like i used to i remember playing along to like um the cure uh -huh. and um stuff like that but one of my big influences and um going back to when we were talking about uh, joe wong and his podcast trap set Mm -hmm. One of my favorite episodes that he's done is with one of my biggest influence, and that's Stuart Copeland from The Police. Yeah. Second one I ever listened to was Stuart. Yeah. The Police are yeah. my favorite band ever. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it's such a mixture of punk and reggae and rock and it just a little bit of everything mm -hmm. in like jazz. Yeah, jazz. Politics. Yes. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. But even to this day, you know, after listening to those songs for decades, even to this day, when there's certain songs, and I'll air drum like crazy, but I still miss stuff because like, some of this shit he plays, there's no rhyme or reason about it. I mean, there is for him, and a lot of what he plays, and he talked about it in his podcast, like, you know, he, he was Roll, brought up. Rolls through the one, right? What's that? He rolls right over the one. He carries his rolls through one. Oh yeah, to yeah, totally. But I'm, a lot of his, a lot of his uh, background, musical background was like world music, like uh, yeah, like right, like like island, not like reggae music, but like um, like African, you know, very syncopated, like very beat driven. But it's super different. But that's he grew up on that kind of stuff, and and I guess you know after hearing that, it makes total sense. But but so he was one of my influences early on for sure. And then, you know, as I got into like high school, um, I went through like middle school, high school. I went through like a, a, I went from like punk rock, straight up punk rock and skate rock and then started getting a little bit more into, um, you know, that, that, that kind of went, it went from like Misfits and Danzig and Dead Kennedys and mm -hmm. um, stuff like that, mm -hmm. and and that sort of started morphing into Minor Threat, and then obviously that went into Fugazi, and then Jawbox and Bad Brains and the whole DC thing. Um, can, and you time, it, it, can you timeline this for me? You're talking about high school. Like when and where are we talking about? You grew up well, in Milwaukee, so, right? Yeah, I grew up just outside of Milwaukee. So this would have been uh, the early '90s. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, it would have been, uh, I think I was 1990, I believe I was a freshman, I mm -hmm. think. Okay. 90, 91, somewhere around there. Um, 
so yeah, so so going through that, I think ninety ninety one very much into like skate rock, and then the band I had at the time was like we always call it like skate rock or skate punk. Um, it's like a little faster, heavier, um, not so melodic, but maybe a little bit here and there. But then it started getting a little bit more melodic, you know, getting a little bit more like into the jawboxy sort of range. God, but I then love, of course there are bands like. Yeah, and then we, I mean, come on, but but then you know, like still around that same time, like helmet, you know, like yeah. that stuff, like yeah. So that's that's where it kind of went there. Did you ever so, swing? Did you ever swing wide? And I'm coming from a pretty sheltered background. I, <laughs> uh, did a, Did you ever swing wide enough to get into like what was in at the time, where it was more of like the very like you're talking early '90s. That's kind of when Nirvana upset the apple cart were you into like Soundgarden, alice and chains and yes. all that kind of stuff or were you like way underground guy yeah no 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 no. i was i was definitely into that stuff i think okay all right uh, yeah i i, I kind of listened to a lot of it like i i was a really big pearl jam fan like 90 91 right like, on really, yeah yeah and 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 again alice and chains Soundgarden. right um Absolutely, Smashing Pumpkins, hundred percent, Mud Honey, Screaming Trees, the whole the yeah. whole Seattle package that we all bought into. Yeah, right. yeah, I had a I had a little bit of all of that kind of going on, and I was mm-hmm. stoked on it. I, I, I like, you know, and then obviously, I mean, yeah, there was a lot of the underground, and you know, I, you know, even before, uh, probably like you know, eighty seven, eighty eight, eighty nine, um, you know, around the time that I had my first band ever. You know, I primarily listen to just like, you know, local DIY stuff. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. It was all, it was a lot of like, I went to a lot of shows, a lot of house shows, a lot of like Sunday matinee shows, you okay. know, all, all ages shows. And it was all like Milwaukee punk hardcore bands. I couldn't figure out how to plug into that. I, I didn't like DIY didn't mean anything to me. I assumed anyone who played anywhere rolled in in a bus. And they right. just woke up. You know what I mean? Like I, I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't get the DIY thing until after everybody else did, and I was like, oh, sure. yeah, duh. There were probably shows. I mean, I grew up just outside of Allentown, Pennsylvania. It's some of the most insane, crazy. We had a skinhead problem back then. <laughs> we yeah. had we had some bad stuff going on around here. These shows were occurring 15 minutes from my house, and I yeah. was picking my nose listening to my Walkman. I had no idea this stuff was happening yeah. around my house. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean. I, you know, and I, I, it probably would have gone, gone unnoticed for me had it not been for the group of people that I was friends with. And they, yeah. you know, that like, it's just one of those things. It's one of those things, you know, just all of the, my friends, you know, they found out about stuff. And, you know, uh, you know, us being in bands, you know, the, the first show I ever played, I was 11 years old. And so it, that was all DIY because, you know, if you want to play a show, you kind of have to do it yourself. You have to, like, basically book your own show. Sure. Um, and the, but then, you know, as you start doing that, you start meeting other people and talking to other people and they're booking shows in other towns. And then, you know, so, so basically, you know, once I graduated from touring my basement, it then moved on to touring, you know, within a 15 mile radius of my house, you know? I'll tell um, you. Yeah. So, it, it, so yeah, that was so. There was a lot of DIY, like um, that. That was really big, and that was around the ninety, you know, like uh, like 88, 89, 90, somewhere around there. And then mm-hmm. you know, again, the early nineties started 
growing a little bit more into um, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and right. all that stuff. And then, uh, you know, obviously Nirvana came along around that time. And yeah, so that was that was big too. But, you know, there, there were just, again, there was just a lot of stuff. But I was still listening to Fugazi and I was yeah. listening to Jawbox and I was listening to Bad Brains. And, I, you know, it, it just it was a mixture, but it was great. You know, it was it, it, was, it was fine. And, um, you know, obviously listening to Pearl Jam, it's, you know, that's right around the time when they were kind of just getting out there. Mm-hmm. Um, they hadn't blown up and they hadn't become the, the, the powerhouse that they, they, well, frankly, they still are, but, yeah, right. uh, but, you know, in bands like Jawbox, like I remember, um, seeing Jawbox and just thinking like, wow, these guys are, I mean, it's, just that feeling of like, I listen to this band all the time. I listen to, I sit in my bedroom and I like try to, you know, play along to this band and now I'm seeing them and it's like the biggest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And not that they weren't a big deal, but then, you know, fast forward uh, to, you know, the the mid to late 90s, fast forward a couple of years and I'm playing in a band called Braid and we're meeting the members of Jawbox and then, we end up recording with Jay Robbins and our manager ends up being Kim Coletta, the bass player. So it's like, it's just a weird, yeah. you know, and for people who don't know who Jawbox is, they're like, what's the big deal? I don't get why this guy's like geeking out about this stuff. But <laughs> if you're a fan of that band or that genre or this, you know, that, that era of music, then you know, you know right. how yeah. big of a deal it is and how big of a deal it still is. You if know? there's like, anybody who listens to my show on a regular basis, don't worry about it, dude. They've heard me babble about Jawbox two dozen times. I love them. So <laughs> right. they get it. Like it's, <laughs> like it's still, it's still, you know, weird. We're like, you know, like I'll text Jay Robbins or something and he'll reply and I'll be like, that's kind of cool. I, I can just text Jay, you know, that's cool. Um, well, yeah, but let's, let's, let's scale this back too. I, I'm a huge braid fan. Frame and Canvas is one of my favorite records ever. And I'm talking to you like, like, hey, I met you at the show. Dude, can I can I get you on my podcast? Sure. You took my phone and typed your email into my address because it was too uh, – into my phone because it was too loud. You didn't feel like screaming it at me. Right. And, and, here, and here we are talking. Like, it's not unattainable. Right. It's not unattainable now. Probably technology makes it a hell of a lot easier. But back then, it was like posters and like – yeah. Yeah. Hey, dude, can you write your number down the back of this envelope, <laughs> and you sh- just don't lose that piece of paper? And, and like, this shit's right. not unattainable. People had, myself included, myself, the most guilty that I know, just had this weird perspective on what people were and these bands were, and they're huge, and these things are happening. Then you get out there and get in bands and realizing, no, that we're all just a bunch of lost, scared people with no money. <laughs> 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 you know? Right. Exactly. Yes. Very cool. So you uh, you fast forwarded there and you jumped right into the whole. I was in this band called Braid thing. How did you meet the guys in Braid? I already know this story, but let's 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 do my version of it. 
Yeah, so um, yeah, it would have been mid-90s. I had a band called Figurehead. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played, you know, we were Milwaukee-based. And um, we did a little bit of touring. We we put out a 7-inch and, and uh, not proud of it necessarily, but we, we put out a couple cassette tapes. Um, uh, but anyway, so we, we played shows, and we did a show um, – we played a show. Wait, wait. In Illinois. You're, not, you're not proud of the record. You're not proud of what the figurehead sounds like, or you're not proud of the fact that you put out cassette tapes. You lost. We put me. out cassette tapes. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, no, the, the cassette. I, yeah, I mean, I guess, but it's like we never ever put out a CD. We never released a compact disc of our music. Okay. We put out two cassette tapes and a seven inch. I think that's all we did. I'm pretty sure. Um. And that's fine. It's it's it, it is what it is. Uh, oh, I think that's cool. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, but uh, but so, anyways, we we got somehow we got on a show in Illinois, and it was with Braid, and we ended up staying at Chris's house, Chris's okay. apartment afterwards, uh-huh. and so we kind of hung out with him, and and um, and then we we just kind of stayed in touch, and. Um, and then figurehead was we were like okay we're done we're not doing anything people want to go do other things let's just be done and so we were breaking up and so we booked like three or four final shows and uh we're like well who who should we have to play these shows and we said you know what braid because when we played the show with them we got the cd the for their first album frankie welfare boy h5 Mm-hmm. We got that and we listened to it all the time. I did. I listened to it all the time. I was a big fan. So I was like, yeah, let's selfishly book them because then we get to see them play. And um, and they were like, cool. Yeah. When and where. Tell us when and where to be and we'll be there and whatever money. We don't care. Mm-hmm. It's cool. And so we. I think it was I think it was three shows. I don't know. Three or four shows. Anyways. But we got to hang out a little bit more. And so fast forward about a month after those shows is when Braid's old drummer, Roy, after a show that they had played, Braid had played a, you know, a month later, they'd, they'd played some show in Illinois. Um, and on the way home, Roy had told Bob, Chris, and Todd that he wanted to be, he didn't want to tour anymore. Uh-huh. He wanted to stay at home. He wanted to start a family. He wanted to stay home. Wanted to tour so, the ba- he wanted to tour the basement. <laughs> he wanted to tour the basement. Yeah, right exactly. Um, and and so, but they had already had a tour booked. Um, and they're like, "Well, you're going to do this last tour, right?" And he's like, "No, I nope. can't do." This. So they're like, Ugh, "Well, we got to do the tour." I mean, Braid was always one of those bands like determined, yeah, determined to always make a show, no right. matter what it took. Always mm-hmm. determined to. You know, even if one person showed up to that show, we're gonna play. We're not mm-hmm. gonna make an excuse to say, "Well, there's only one person. It's a really tiny basement. We're not gonna do it." Right. Um, very determined. So they're, you know, they're not the, canceling that tour because they didn't have a drummer was not an option for them. So they're starting to think of who could do it, and I think they had a couple people in mind. And, but they thankfully thought of me because they knew just a month prior they had played my band's last shows. So they knew that I wasn't in a band anymore. Okay. So I was available. Um, so I remember getting a call from Bob and it was before cell phone. So it's like he got my number, my home number and, uh, <laughs> and called me and said, Hey, Roy doesn't 
on a tour anymore and we have a tour coming up in like a couple weeks or a week or something like that it was like really short notice and he's like would you want to fill in and just do this tour and i was like uh yeah of course and i will tell you this and i've told the guys this before that moment the moment not just that phone call but the moment that i had to because it was it was no it was a no brainer. Like I don't think I had to you know it wasn't like well can I sleep on it and call you tomorrow? Right. It wasn't that. It was like yes I'll do it. <laughs> Let me check when, my schedule. <laughs> yeah, when, when and where? Right. But but so that moment along with the crunch, and so Bob, Bob what Bob did is and I think it was on, I think it was on cassette maybe it was on CD I don't remember. Um, but he ended up, it was like 13 songs or something. He's like, I'm going to send you a CD of all the songs that we're going to play on this tour. So these are the only songs that you have to know. Okay. Like, you know, I had whatever records were out, I think, but there was like, you know, seven inches and compilation songs that I didn't have. So he's okay. like, let me just put the CD together. I'll put it in the mail tomorrow. You'll have it. So I got the CD and I had to learn the song. So I made notes. I had a notebook and I made like little notes and You've listened to Braid, and for anyone listening to your podcast who's ever listened to Braid, especially the earlier stuff, it's kind of fucked up. Like it's it's not like you know yeah it's not it's not like just super straightforward. Oh, no, well, it's not. Braid Braid has that weird. They're like math rock without sounding like a math rock band. There's <laughs> right. there's there, you're running numbers the whole time. There's a lot of shit in seven. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah. You have to like really pay attention to what you're doing. Yeah. So. So the so the defining moment I really think in my life, uh, as much as I want to uh, consider the defining moment in my life when I was touring my basement, um, <laughs> all signs actually lead to this moment in my life when I when I got that CD and it was crunch time. And I I, I really should know the timeline on this stuff, but it it was either I either had. I, I want to say I only had a, a couple of days before I had to hop on a train and go down to Champaign, Illinois to, to practice with the guys and then leave for tour. All right. Like, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about yeah. that. All right. You get this CD. There's thir- I, num- whatever. We're gonna, I'm going to go with the, the numbers that you gave me. You get a yes. CD. You've got to learn 13 songs and you have a couple days. Yes. I'm sure – there was a part of you that was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to smash this ball out of the park. And there was also a party that was like, holy shit, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Like, what, what did you do? Did you just like, did you go through the set list and go, oh, I already know that song because I love it. I listened to it 20 times already. We're good. Did you go through and like chart stuff? Did you even take lessons? Do you know how to chart or anything no. like that? Yeah, me no. neither. <laughs> so like, yeah. what is it? What, 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 what's a boy to do? It, it it was – I was never – I don't think there was ever a moment where I was like, oh, man, what did I – why did I say yes? What did I get myself into? <laughs> Be, and, and this is, again, this is this goes into why this was such a defining moment in my life because it really, it really showed myself that I was a drummer. Okay. And I knew I was. I played in bands, you know, for years leading up to that. I'd recorded music. I had – you know, I had done all those things, and I and I will never disregard anything I did prior to Braid at all because that was all formative. That, that if it wasn't for that chunk of time in those bands I played in prior to Braid, I wouldn't have 
been seasoned enough to take this challenge on this Hell brave yeah. challenge. building blocks, so, man. Absolutely, right, right, exactly. But the the crunch time, and again, like we just said, I never took drum set lessons. I took snare drum lessons when I was, you know, in elementary school, middle school, whatever. Okay, but um, so I could read snare drum music, but I, I, I'm not charting. Like I, I, I did my own charts, and still to this day. I'll go play bands with 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 buddies, and they're like, "Hey, come, you know, can you play drums? Here's here's the songs, learn them, and then we'll practice." I still I still chart the same way. It's just what whatever's in my fucking head, whatever I'm hearing, you know, I'll co- I'll count things off, whatever, and it, or it'll be vocal cues. It'll be mm-hmm. like, oh, when he says, uh, "Open the door," I go to the floor tom and yep. then i do two crash whatever whatever the fuck it is yep. if any other person read my notes it'd be like what the fuck is this <laughs> it's like damon shorthand it only makes yeah. it can only be it can only be deciphered by you i get that i i, I have my own yeah. exactly exactly so but it works for me i know what it means i get it i understand it, it and and but but when i'm that, done when i'm done with mine it looks like i drew it looks like I drew a lot of picket fences kind of slightly leaning to the right. Right. <laughs> I do like, I do like, like I find the one and I do an extra long hash and then I go like two, three, four, five. Yeah. And I go through and like, that's how I'm eventually going to figure out, oh my God, the part's in 13. No wonder that sounded so crazy. Like, right. ugh. and then when you get done, when you get done and you look at the notes, you go back, you're like, it's just some dude is just drawing fences on it. Like why, <laughs> why it looks like fishbone designs or something like, like, like like herringbone or whatever it's called. Like what right, are you doing? Right, right. Oh, that's how I count. People are like, "How the hell did you get this far?" I'm like, I don't know. I I just I don't know. But it makes sense to you, and that's makes all sense that to counts. me. Yep. It exactly. doesn't have to make sense to anybody else except for us. Right. But yeah. So so I, yeah. So I did that. I got the CD. I I you know. But I had like a you know I had a full time job at the time, and so it's basically okay. you know as soon as I got done with work, I'd go home, and that's all I would do for hours and hours and hours. Oh. Um, and and you know, it, it, including on the train, you know, it's like a five-hour train ride from Milwaukee down to Champaign, Illinois. Okay. And so the whole train ride down, I'm I'm doing it. I'm going through it, and I, I remember the night I got in. I feel like it was a, a Friday night or something like that. And I got in, and we weren't practicing that night. We were going to practice Saturday, like morning. And I went. We went to a, a house show. I think that night, um, some like college house show. Uh, and so I was like, oh, this is great. This is cool. I'm hanging out with guys braid. We're at this house show and it's cool and whatever. And then the next day it was crunch time. It was just in the basement practicing and, and, um, and then we left for tour. It was like a 10 day tour. We went out to the East coast and it was on that tour. We actually played a, a, a radio station in, in Maryland and, um, and, and Jay, Jay Robbins. And I think, I think it was Jay and Kim, maybe Jay, Kim and Bill, Maybe the three of them, um, but they were they came to they were there, and we that's where we met them for the first time. We're like, holy shit! Coincidentally, was, or to see you, or braid? I mean, yeah, to, to I think to see us play. Really? Wow. Yeah. Um. Well, but I but like we also played we played with another Washington D.C. band that was friends with them. So I really I really think the Jawbox guys came to see them. Okay. And we okay. just happened to be there and we met them. Um, but I don't think they, you know, I don't think they caught a flyer and were like, oh, Braid, we got to go. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Um, right as much place, as right like time, to, dude. 
Right. As much as I'd like to think that, I just really don't. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't recall it being that way. But anyway, <coughs> it was great. And But here's the other thing. Guys in my band are total assholes. No, I'm just kidding. They're not. But oh, I'm going to tell them. They, 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 um, the entire tour, they kept telling me like, hey, this is just a feeling, you know, like after this tour, we're going to, we, we're going to have a little bit of time off. We're going to find a real drummer. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I mean, and I think deep down that was, I think part of it that that was like, they were just being, you know, careful and sure. They weren't sure They well, I don't think they wanted to offer me the full-time drum position if I didn't work out or if I was a total, you know, asshole in the van on the road. But yeah, sure. It ended up working. It stuck after the tour was over. It was like, like, you know, we had just finished the last show of the tour and, it was the next morning driving back home, and they asked me to be in the band, and I was Did, like, really? "Yep, yeah." So that was that. That was cool. So that um, tour. So that tour went went all right. How long of a tour was that? It was short. It was ten days. So you went. Oh, you did say that. So you went out for ten days, and for for ten days, you were kind of like, "Well, what, uh, what? Seven, six, five, four, tick, 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 yeah. and uh, and and then on the way home, they I guess they decided, all right, I can tolerate this dude for ten days at a time. I guess he's going to work out. What yeah. was that? What what was that like being in the van? Was it like, was there a lot of was it tense? Was it like open conversations with the guys, or was it kind of like you're a hired gun staring out the window kind of thing? No, it was it was it was definitely open conversation because the, the, okay. that's the kind of guys they are. You know, right. it's just it's the impression I get. Yeah. Yeah, and you know we had known each other. You know, it. it I think it would have probably been a little more awkward had they had just heard of me, and we never okay. had met before. Sure. You know, but we have. But I, I don't think that would have ever been the case with them. It, it just. That's not so the you were. Kind I mean, of, I mean, you were comfortable. You were already comfortable being around them. You weren't the entire time like, like oh, oh my god, I hope I don't like say the wrong thing and piss them off because that might be what they decide. Well, that yeah, there was de- there definitely was that. I mean, I, I was okay. I, all right. I, I don't know if I'd say eggshells necessarily, but it was pretty close. You know, I just wanted to really, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I knew them a little bit, but I didn't know them that well, you know. And right. And I think you know, I, I probably prior to to the being with those guys. I probably talked to Roy, their old drummer, the most. Oh. The guy who's not in the van because I'm in his place. <laughs> Bummer, he's not there now. <laughs> right. So right. I, I couldn't, you know, couldn't buddy up with him. But to, I think Todd and I got along the best. Okay. Um, and uh, but regard, we all got along great, and 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 it was it was it was magical. Um, but Still that was working. really, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's it's. Yeah, that 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 band is um you know it's interesting the the the, the peaks and valleys you know with that it, it, there was never i will say this and i think most people who know the story of of both braid and hey mercedes can tell that um there was never such bad blood that we couldn't be in bands with each other because sure. as soon as braid ended we started hey mercedes and you know whatever and we you know shortly after hey mercedes well actually right before hey mercedes ended we did a braid reunion tour so five years after we had split up yep. we did a braid reunion tour so we've always been close we've always been you know there was never like there was ne- i don't think there was ever a, like a there was never like screaming matches on the road necessarily okay. i don't think there was there definitely wasn't any physical altercations on the road i don't i don't recall um 
And out of anybody in the band, especially back then, I would remember because I was the only sober guy. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't drink at all. It wasn't until sort of towards the end of Hey Mercedes that I started drinking again. Okay. okay. Whoa. Slow down. No, 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 no. Listen, I, I, I'll make it really quick. When I was in middle school, high school. I did. I drank. I smoked cigarettes. I did smoke weed. I did acid. I did all kinds of things that no one should ever do at that age. Okay. So by the time I hit eighteen, I really the only thing I really gave a shit about was music, and that's all I wanted to do. Like skateboarding, I didn't really care about it anymore. Partying, I didn't care about it anymore. It, it tur- every time we'd have band practice, it we we wouldn't start practicing until everyone was fucked up. Like drunk yeah. or high, and it, myself included. To, and then I started. I was like, "Well, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. Like, we're not getting. We're not growing. We're not doing anything special. We're just getting together and partying. And and that's a lame excuse for trying to improve. Uh, you know, our music. So I quit when I was age eighteen. I quit doing everything. Okay. And it's not, it's not because I had a problem. I didn't have. I wasn't an alcoholic. I wasn't. You know a drug addict or anything i just didn't want to do it i did just like and i cut everything out no caffeine no nothing so that that um lasted for a long nine years and then randomly hey mercedes we had just played it was the end of a tour we had played gabe's oasis in iowa city and we were going to and we were friends with the promoter and we had heard about some house party and so we went back to the hotel dropped our stuff off the guys went to the liquor store, bought some beer or whatever. We got pulled up to the show or the, the house party, and we're walking to the house, and I turn around to Bob. I'm like, Bob, what do you got there? And he had, like, uh, Pabst or something like that. And I was like, can I have one? And, like, I used to joke on tour, like, oh, hey, you guys are doing shots. Let me do one. And they, they pour me one, hoping that I would actually take it, and I never would. <laughs> um, so Bob, he's like, yeah, of course. Here you go. Here's a beer. And I, I opened it up, and I started drinking it. And they were like, oh, yeah, they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Really? Wow. And so that night, I think I had like three or four beers and I felt I felt great. And I don't know. I really to this day, I don't know where it came from. It's not it's not something I'd been thinking about. It's not like I've been, you know, fighting demons in my head. Like, do I drink? Do I not drink? drink? Do I not drink? No, I, I literally randomly just turned around and asked Bob for a beer and he gave me gave me a beer. Get out of here. I think had he said no, I probably would not have started drinking then. Maybe have been, you know, I may have started up, you know, later on down the line. But anyways. Um, That's an interesting story. Yeah. So I, I find that interesting that you were like, no, nah, I'm done with this now. And nine years later, you're like, mm, okay, I'm, I'm okay now. Yeah. Not, random- not okay like I can't have it. I'm getting the shakes. But just like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't want that in my life now. And now I do want it back. That's... That's yeah. the kind of control that I I wish more people had over that, you know. Yeah, and I you know, and maybe and you know, I've thought about this before. It maybe a part of it was the reason I quit doing, the reason I quit drinking or smoking pot or whatever was because that was taking away of the focus of of what I really really thought I was put on this earth to do, and that was play music. Right. And I felt like we weren't doing like if I'm hammered and screwed 
fucked up. I'm not a. I'm not going to play as well as I should be. Right. I'm not going to want to write as much music as I should be writing. I'm not going to put enough energy into booking more shows or putting out more records or whatever. Because it was all DIY. You know, the, my er, earlier bands, we did everything ourselves. We didn't have a record label. We didn't have a booking agent. We didn't have a manager. I did all of it. I did. I did all of that stuff. I booked all the shows. I made all the flights. Did all that. So if I'm hammered and I'm fucked up, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Or I'm going to do it, but it's going to be half-assed. <laughs> You're not going to do it well, right? Right, exactly. And so I didn't want that for myself. I knew that I, it just wasn't going to go anywhere. I wasn't going to do anything. It wasn't going to get any better. It was probably just going to get worse. And right. there was other friends of mine that you know we used to hang out with that went down that path that you know got – you know, into heavier drugs and got addicted to those heavier drugs and then got, you know, arrested and thrown in jail. And it's like, I feel, I feel for me in that path that everyone was going on, I feel like there's, a, I'm not guaranteeing that I would have ended up in a bad place, but there was a pretty strong chance that I could have ended up in a bad place. You were definitely chemically heading there. Yeah. You're, you're yeah. helping it. You're assisting it. Yeah. I think had I not made the decision I made it at that time to stop doing it, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation today. Wow. Okay. Not to not to say that I'd be dead, but I probably wouldn't have grown and and gotten really serious about music, and gave a shit and pushed myself to do more, to get to that place where I ended up meeting the guys in Braid and then you know doing right. all that stuff. Right. Uh, or who knows? Maybe it would. Maybe I would have OD'd or end up in prisoners. I don't know. Who knows? Right. But but anyways. But I think so. I stopped doing everything because I wanted to focus, to grow, and to get to do more. And so I feel like maybe that time, and it was the end of a tour. We just played the last show of the tour, and it, it was a you know we, we had gone through a, a pretty good run with Hey Mercedes, and obviously we'd gone through all the braid stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, I, we had toured internationally, and we put out records, and been on really great tours. And I think maybe it was that moment where I was like, okay. Nine years ago, I quit because I wanted to focus. I think I focused a good amount, and I've gotten to the point where I'm happy and satisfied. Not, mm -hmm. not satisfied to the point where I'm going to just lay back and be a lazy son of a bitch and let everyone else do things for me. But right, right, right. I feel like – I was like, okay, I feel in control. I feel like I've been in control the last nine years, and I feel like it's kind of paid off. So maybe – but again, I wasn't thinking these things when I decided to ask Bob for a beer. Sure. It just happened. But I, but I, I thought about it over the years, and people have asked me that question before, and I was never really able to give them an answer. That's the only thing I can think of. And, and again, I, maybe it was more of a subconscious kind of you know decision as opposed to the la whatever. So that's kind of, that. Kind of just arrived at, at uh, okay, it's time now. Mm-hmm. Like that's just, it's time to party. Nothing, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. I mean, it it's a, it it kind of it kind of reminds me of like, um, you can roll out of bed and eat four donuts. <laughs> we all know how you're gonna look in a few years if that's the kind of lifestyle you have, right? Or you can like live clean and do the right thing for your body and everything, and then once in a while enjoy a donut. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's that's what it reminds me. of.
exactly. Well, you know, the funny thing too. So this, when I had this moment where I, you know, decided to drink a couple beers, um, I, I was 27 years old when that happened. So my early 20s, when everyone else was going to the bar for the first time and having their first drink in a bar, that never happened for me Mm. up until when I was 27. So. I think by the time I'm 27, I'm oh wow, okay, I see de- where you're going. Definitely more mature, definitely more mature. But let's not let's not forget the fact that I'm still in a band. <laughs> um, so there, there's definitely the with, level of with immaturity. seasoned professionals, <laughs> right? With seasoned professionals. By the way, seasoned professionals who I'd been in bands with for the last six years, I guess, right? Something like something like that. Um, seven years. No, six years. I was right. Because um, I joined Braid when I was 21. Okay. And I started drinking when I was 27. So there mm-hmm. had been six years of being on the road with these guys. So when I did start drinking, they, I think they were like, awesome. We finally get to party with this guy. This has never happened in six years. We've never, he's always been the, you know, designated driver. He's always been the, you know, like, I think I was always a fun guy. I, you know, I didn't. I didn't care. I would go out to a bar. We'd be, you know, we'd be at, we'd play bars and I still had a lot of fun. I'd be the guy that was like, you know, the rest of the band would be at the bar mm-hmm. getting drinks and doing shots. I'd be the guy like, you know, by the merch table talking to, you know, guys like you who want to nerd out and talk about drums. Right. 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 That's a bad thing, but that's how, but that was, I love that, that. Thanks I, Damon. Yeah. <laughs> No, but I love that. That that's what I got off on. That's what that like. Uh, that was my drug. That was my beer. That was you know for that right. time. But yeah, so I I so yeah, twenty seven. Yeah, I know. get that. Like it, it wasn't like the, I don't know why we're going down this rabbit hole. Why not? Let's go. It wasn't like, hey, can I get you beer? Ooh, no, I I can't. Ooh, it wasn't. It, it was never like that. It was just like, no, no, thank you. I'm yeah. I'm I'm working. I have shit to do. Yeah, I think that that's that's kind of I don't know where you're going after this, but I I think that's also something else I wanted to talk to you about. We've already been on the phone for a long time, but I mean I got time, dude. Um, You kind of went after the business side of things when it comes to music too, and that's super interesting to me that you like kind of grabbed the bull by the horns and instead of saying I play a show, I drink beer, I wake up somewhere, hopefully we get to the next show on time, you were the one that was like kind of not obsessed that's the wrong word that wouldn't be fair i don't know you well enough to say that but you were the guy who decided i i want to take control of this i want to know what the next step is i need to i need to know where i'm sleeping tomorrow night i need to know you know you you kind of handle the logistical stuff right i did yeah yeah that's rad (laughs) uh, yeah i mean when i and it's hard to do drunk i've tried it it's not (laughs) (laughs) you get cloudy and forget shit you know yeah it's well you know again if if you can be a seasoned veteran and you know how to deal with that stuff. And, gotcha. And right. So on this topic, I'll get to that. I'll get to that seasoned veteran and, and being able to, 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 to deal with being hungover and the only one in charge. You got it. But so when I joined Braid, Todd was doing all the business stuff. Okay. He was doing all the books, all the booking, all of that stuff. And, um, and it was probably – Probably around the last year of the band, so I mean, I was so I joined in uh, 
97 and we broke up in 99. So I was really only in the band for two years. But it really – the it was oh, beginning. Wow, really? Well, it was the beginning of 97 and we ended the band sort of towards the end of 99. So it was okay. It was three years. So probably the within the last year, I started – like I wanted to help Todd because I – I would see Todd get, you know, frustrated. He had a lot to do. He had a lot, you know, like, because no one else did any of it, you know. So I helped out. So then it was Todd and I kind of tag teaming with stuff. But then we ended up getting Kim Coletta to manage us. But that was right towards the end. So it was very short-lived because then we broke up. Um, but when when we decided to do Hey Mercedes, I, I was doing all the business stuff. Okay. Um, so I was like, here's what we do. Let's record four songs. Let's see if Polyvinyl put it out. But let's tell them up front that we are going to use that EP to go after other record labels. Like we want to like, – that's kind of a difficult thing because like, Braid had been on Polyvinyl for yeah, you a guys have been time. on Poly for 100 years. Right. So then we start this new band, Hey Mercedes, and we go to Matt and say, hey, Matt, can you put out a first EP but – that's all you're going to put out because we're actually going to use that to go shop for other labels. But okay. I think it was probably said in a way, hopefully, I don't know. I, I mean, after all these years, I, I, I don't think he's ever once come up to me and been like, you know what? Thinking back to that Hey Mercedes stuff, that's kind of a dick move. <laughs> um, but uh, so I think everything's cool on that end. But, but so I was like, we're going to do that. And then I went and found a list of record labels with addresses and contact names and managers with addresses and contact names. And we used that first Hey Mercedes EP. And I, uh, in my home office, I had packet mailers, like, you know, like, you know, padded envelopes with uh, labels. I printed them on the computer. I made them look all nice and all official and whatever. And uh, I think, you know, I opened up a Hey Mercedes Peel box and I had a stamp made, um, you know, so that was like the stamp return address to make it all look all nice and professional. And I, we sent out a ton of CDs, um, you know, some of them I think, a, a mo- well, I know most of them were probably never listened to. Um, huh. uh, and if they were, they obviously weren't interested. I think we got a couple letters back saying, hey, we're not signing anyone at this time, um, but best of luck, whatever, you know, stuff sure. like that. Yeah. Um, so then we ended up uh, we ended up booking a couple showcase shows out in California, and we talked to Vagrant Records, and there was a couple other labels. So we went out there, um, met with some labels, played some shows, and uh, ended up getting signed to Vagrant. But at that same time, we were trying to look for management, and we really wanted to kind of make a go at this with Hey Mercedes, as opposed to Braid, where Braid was a little more DIY, playing the VFW halls and the bowling alleys and stuff like that, and kind of doing whatever compilation came up. We, we wanted to try to be a little bit more methodical about it. Um, and maybe that was our downfall. I don't know. But that's the way we went. But for the for the four years that band was in existence, the first three years, I was the band's manager. Okay. So I did, because we were, you know, we, we, we had a meeting one day after band practice and we were talking about, you know, who would be the best manager and, you know, which direction and whatever. And the guys all looked at me, they're like, you've, you've been doing all of this stuff. Like you've been sending out all the CDs and doing this stuff. Like, why don't you just do it? Why don't you just manage the band? And I was like, huh? Yeah, I suppose I could. And so that's what we did. And I managed the band and I, you know, 
got us, you know, booking agent. I got us our lawyer and, you know, got the vagrant deal done and you know, did all that stuff and did some of the tour managing, you know, just a lot of that stuff. And right. cause I, I'd been doing stuff like that for all of my bands for years prior. So it's, right. it, 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 it kind of seemed natural. Um, I will say though, looking back towards the end of Hey Mercedes, part of the reason why I, I was okay with the band ending was because I was burnt the fuck out. Sure, like really, okay. Really burnt out because right. it was so much. And we ended up getting a manager the last year of the band, and it just it didn't work. You know, okay. it just it it didn't it didn't work. We didn't feel like it was working, and maybe it was. And we just felt I don't know. It was just it was off. It, it, whatever. Um, but it really I was just burnt out. Like I, I just you know touring. It's a lot, we're, it's a lot we're to touring carry. all the time. Yeah, we're touring all the time. We'd only done two albums and and one EP in between the two albums. Yep. And so we like we had got done with the tour and we were back home and we knew that it was it was time to start think we we had to start writing for a new record. That would have been the natural progression. And I I could have given two shits. Like mm. I had there was nothing left in me. There was nothing in me that's like, oh yeah, I can't wait to go get in a room with these guys and write another song. It's not because I didn't like them. I just was burnt out. Yeah, that's fair. I needed a break, you know? that's that i don't know we, we just kind of went on this conversation here and i just went through the whole span of those two bands oh but uh, you were kind of mentioning about the the, the 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 business side of things so so i was doing that and then when when hey mercedes ended i um my goal was to find a, a like to join a band and play drums for a band mm-hmm. like a, a band that was already established already doing something because i didn't want to i didn't feel like i had it in me to start from scratch sure and you know Playing basements and and do and tour in a van like I, I at that point I wanted to tour in a bus yeah I want to stay in hotel rooms on a regular basis and you know actually make money playing music um but so that didn't really happen but a friend of mine called me and said hey I, I you know no leads on on a drum gig but would you ever consider drum teching and I was like well I I I could do it I mean. I pretty much drum tech myself my entire life. So sure. yeah, I could do it starting, you know, when I was a kid in the basement. He said, you were like, how many paint cans should I bring? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> like get yeah. my mom's table. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Can I put the symbols in a pillowcase? Will that work? Uh, that uh, um, I used to tie, I used to get old sweatshirts and I would put the drum inside the sweatshirt, like where your torso would go. Yeah. And, and then you tie the sleeves. So that, that there you go. Now you have a handle and everything. That's, per- that's perfect. But yeah, so um, so yeah, my friend said, I know of a band looking for a drum tech, and they're, they're going to be doing quite a bit of touring. Uh-huh. I could put you in touch. And so I got in touch, and at the time, I was working a temp job. And um, What were you doing? The, 
I, I don't. It was I don't know. It was like clerical work or some shit. Okay. Like, it's like medical claims. <laughs> it's just it's just basically just data entry, essentially. <laughs> Something to um, do while you waited for the phone call that you just got, basically. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, gotcha. gotcha. Uh, but yeah, so I got that call and I was like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I could do that. And so I did. I, I went out and it turns out it was you know what they were going to pay me to drum tech was was more than you know my temp job. Goodbye. Clerical work. And it was it was it was touring, you know. And and it's funny when I was telling after I got the gig and I was telling people. What I was gonna be doing, so many people who knew me from playing drums in bands, they're like, uh, oh, okay, why, why you're a great drummer? Why would you go set up someone else's drum? And isn't that gonna be like painful? Beneath you. It, isn't it beneath you? And isn't, isn't right. it painful to be setting up drums? And watching some drummer play on stage, and you're a great drummer, and you're just you're just there to set him up. And I'm like, mm, no, I, I don't look at it that way. Like, right? Sure. Would I rather be the guy on stage? Fuck yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm 41 years old, and I do a lot of I have a lot of stuff going on. I own a restaurant. I'm a production manager for a music festival. I do a lot of stuff, and I still do Hey Mercedes and Braid stuff. I got a lot going on. But still to this day, would I rather be on stage playing drums? Fuck yes. Absolutely. It's but it's it's I'm okay with not playing drums. Sure. It, it's my it's been my choice and it's been my choice for a long time. Yes, I w- would I prefer to be on stage playing drums? Of course. Right. But I I also learned and I I had a, a big appreciation for the business side of things. So I went in drum tech for a while and it was it was cool, it was fun. I met a lot of people. I met you know all the all the you know Kevin Lyman, the guy who started Vans Warp Tour, and you know all of his people because the band that I drum tech for they did a bunch of Kevin Lyman tours and mm-hmm. and so it, you know I drum tech for them and then I ended up working for another band as a drum tech and a guitar tech at the same time and then uh, then I ended up tour managing the band that I originally went out with as a drum tech and then I went back to the other band as a tour ma- you know so it's just yep. kind of like. It elevated, or not elevated, but I just it, it kind of grew and grew and grew and grew. I was gonna then, I was gonna interrupt you a while ago, but I'm glad sure. I didn't, and I'm gonna interrupt you now. Um, if you would have been like, "No, that's beneath me. I'm Damon Adkinson of Braid and Hey Mercedes. I can play the drums. I can hold my own. I'm gonna wait." Then not only did you lose every opportunity that you just listed to grow mm-hmm. and more building blocks, but mm-hmm. that you also were that guy. You right. like, you know, oh, he's he thinks he's too friggin' good. Oh, whatever. Right. Okay. And then yeah. you lose the opportunity to guitar tech and this and that and that and this and that. And now you're like, like you said, you're you're managing a, a music festival or something like that. The, uh, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. I think had I not taken that, we're jumping ahead. Tech. But I mean, like, yeah, just just roll your yeah, sleeves right. up. Roll your sleeves up. Change your own oil, man. You know. Yeah, right, 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 exactly. Well, you know, it, it, and of course, uh, you know, when I took that drum teching gig, I, I, I had no idea where it would end up, yeah, you know, or, or right. where it would take me. I didn't know where it would take me. I didn't know, uh, you know, and uh, quite honestly, a part of me thought that, well, if I take this, I get out on the road, and I can meet people, and I can remind people that I'm actually a drummer. And, you know, maybe that maybe I come across the band or come across the manager or somebody who says, hey, I've got this band that's looking for a drummer. So I definitely 
also saw it as an opportunity to network. Right. Um, that's definitely not the only reason I took the job. The The main reason is that it paid well and I got to go on tour. You know, that's, that's what I was used to. I'd been touring for a long time. So the, you know, the thought of not touring and being stuck at a, a tent job was not fun. Right. It, <laughs> it didn't, didn't seem fun to me. Um, but yeah, so that, I mean, that, that all, all led to different things. And it, it, so these two bands that I work for tech and then tour managed for, um, they both did all these, you know, warp tour and there, there used to be a tour called the, the taste of chaos tour. Those are both Kevin Lyman tours. So I was tour managing. So I got, you know, got in with those people and got to know those people and had to deal with them on a, on a daily basis. Cause I was a tour manager on one of those tours. So I had to, you know, constantly communicate with these people and somehow they ended up liking me <laughs> and somehow, um, somehow and I became friends. Uh, yeah, somehow. I, so then I actually became friends with a, a good amount of these people and then ended up living in Chicago with a good amount of these people as well and, um, and really got connected. And then, you know, Kevin offered me a job and, uh, on Warp Tour, like a, a production gig. And so I was working out of the production office and, you know, had a lot of responsibilities. And, and so I went from, you know, temp job, well, went from drummer, temp job, drum tech guitar tech drum tech tour manager then production office manager of warp tour and then that led into operations manager of kevin's company and that's what brought me to nashville because, because you were willing to humble yourself and lower your standards and be a drum tech right exactly I yeah, love, so dude i love that story that is great seriously that is awesome Thank like you. screw the drums that's like <laughs> yeah that's, that's like a selfish fantasy of course you'd rather be on stage rocking out and everything but i mean like that wasn't the gig offered to you the gig offered to you was drum tech and you were like all right yeah i got no problem with that and look at you now that's rad yeah. dude yeah now and what you know, warp I, what warp tours were we like you were the production manager for which warped tours uh, well, I was, I wasn't production manager. I was production office manager. Oh, office manager. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did, um, I, I did the schedule every day. Um, I handled all of, um, immigration and customs for when the tour goes in and out of Canada, um, which oh. is no, no small feat. Harry. Yeah. 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 It was, it was. Um, oh, how many bands um, did you lose along the way that like messed up a passport <laughs> or like, you oh, know? Yeah. I, there, yeah, there was a few, but the, we people in my in that position prior to me had made some really good relationships with the Canadian immigrations okay. individuals, and so you know I was given a contact, and then I, but honestly I had to I had to build my own relationship with these people, and um, but Warp Tour it was a big enough tour that it, it it brought revenue into the country of Canada, so it was kind of a big deal, um, <clears throat> so. They had to be very careful, and they had to vet everyone, and I had to give them all of the information in a very specific, particular way. Okay. Um, very detailed, and we're talking about we're talking about nine hundred and fifty people between all of the crew and all of the band members. Nine hundred and fifty people that were crossing into Canada and then coming back into the United States. So I had to have basically an Excel sheet that was broken down into crew and then band and 
it all had to be alphabetized, and I had to have everyone's full name, social security number, passport number, date of birth, you know, city they were born in, country of you know birth, country of residence, Good all Lord. that information. Yeah, it was a lot. And then on top of that was customs. So I had to get, I had to have a manifest of every single semi truck, and we had uh, eighteen semi trucks or something like that, sixteen, eighteen. <laughs> so I had to have a manifest of every single piece of gear or equipment that was in any one of the trucks, including the mobile stages, which were a truck in and of themselves. So I had to have all this information that I'd have to send over to immigrations and I'd have to do all this paperwork and get all these stamps done. And then I'd have to give all these packets to every single truck driver. It was a lot. Anyways, I'm not, yeah, it was I'm a exhausted lot. listening to you. My God, dude. Yeah. And, yeah, and then was, you said in and out of Canada. You didn't do that once and then stay in Canada. You would zigzag back and forth, back and forth, right? Yeah. So we we used to go we used to go into uh, uh, Eastern Canada, Toronto, Montreal, right, and then come back into the states. Sure. And then we would we would tour the states, and then we would go back up like Vancouver, Vancouver, and the the west the west end. Oh, right. So there was God. two of those, and the thing is. The way Warp Tour works is there's a lot of bands that do the entire tour from start to finish, but there's also a lot of bands that come in in between. So there'll, there'll be bands that do the first half, and then they drop off, and then there's a whole new set of bands that come in in the second half. So the first half was Toronto, Montreal. The second half was Vancouver. So I've got – I can't just take all the information I had from the first half of the tour and use that – on the second half of the tour, when we go into Vancouver, I have to take away people who aren't going to be there, and I have to add in people who are going to be there but weren't the first time. So it, it was a lot of organizational skills involved, <laughs> you know. So that was um, uh, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012. So five years I did that job on on Warp Tour. And then, but but as a, a tech slash tour manager, I did um, 2005 Taste of Chaos and Warp Tour, 2006 Taste of Chaos and Warp Tour, 2007 I didn't do Warp Tour, 2008 I did Taste of Chaos International I want to say, and and then that's when I started working Warp Tour. And in 2009, I was production office manager of Warp Tour, so it was constant, you know, all the crap I just went through with you. Um, plus, I think it was like two, it was like two weeks in the beginning and two weeks at the end, I used to tour manage uh, a band called Thrice. And they. Uh, I spoke did, to Riley on the show. They, oh, awesome. Yeah, perfect. Um, really, really, really good dude. They're all great dudes really that was a really fun band to work for and they're very appreciative and thankful and uh, just the nicest guys in the world but mm -hmm. so so i'm working the you know full-time warp tour gig i'm on warp tour i'm in the production office i'm doing the schedule i'm doing all this and and thrice does two weeks in the beginning and two weeks at the end okay. and so i i'm tour managing them as well i'm not riding on their bus i'm riding on a production bus but i'm you know, obviously, it's really easy to advance the shows. <laughs> gotcha. And seeing how I did the schedule, um, it was really easy to schedule them when it was convenient for me. Um, but hey, man. that wasn't always the case. I mean, 
because ultimately Kevin wrote the schedule, and but I had to type it in and make it look pretty and you know decipher his chicken scratch. But I, <laughs> I, I, I had the authority to change things as needed. Okay. Uh, whatever the circumstance was, I could you know a lot of times I'd run it by him first, but I could do that and I could change it. So and he knew that I was doing double duty, and he knew that you know certain times were a lot better for me to go be away from the office and whatever, like, you know, having thrice play first, um, probably not so good because I'm really stuck in the office dealing with a lot of stuff. So, but anyways, that was, that was, so as if it wasn't enough work, then thrice plays and I'm doing that. But, you know, they, you know, they asked me if I could do it and I said, yes. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Actually, it was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun, but yeah. And then, and then that led to, um, like I said, that, that that led to you know, Kevin hiring me as his operations manager for the entire company, and and again that that led me to moving to Nashville because he had just started, he was just he was just starting a country festival tour, and so he opened an office in Chicago, and so what he did is he took my best friends who lived in Chicago within like a four block radius of my house, and we all hung out together. He stole them and moved them to Nashville to open the office, and I was bummed about that. Huh. And then he ended up hiring me and moving me to Nashville to be with my friends and working for the company full time. So okay, now you're not mad at him anymore. Yeah, no, no, no. no. <laughs> so, that a, so that was a full time gig, and the only touring I did, I did like um, I went out for a couple weeks on this new country tour, mm-hmm. uh, and then I'd come home for a couple weeks and then go out on Warp Tour. So the only tour I did, the only real tour I did was Warp Tour, which if you're going to go from touring pretty much eight months out of the year to not touring except for one tour, Warp Tour is that one tour that would actually make it, even though it's six, seven, eight weeks long tops, right. it kind of fills the void of touring for eight months. Okay. Because it's, it's so involved and hectic and long and crazy so Whew, my goodness you were a busy guy yeah it was good though but then yeah so that that was that so yeah i mean you know it, it's and then you know it 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 grew from there and you know I, I stopped working for kevin um and then i became a day-to-day manager for a country artist you know just wow. like huh what yeah, right. You're really all over the place. What? But it was fun. I, it was. A, I worked for a great company, and a, the the person who ran the company and who asked me to do the job, you know, he's a really good dude, and I really respected him, respected the company, and and it just that was great. And the artist, which I can't name, but the art working for that particular artist was not fun at all. It was okay in the beginning, but then it just got. It was just ridiculous and and i pulled the plug on it i couldn't do it anymore uh, you know it was one of those things but so tried my head at that and it was you know it was fun and, and then um and then yeah so i but but now i i'm production manager for a music festival um just just outside of nashville called um Pil- pilgrimage music and cultural festival and it's 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 we've had two years um going into the third and um it's that. a ton I looked at the lineup. It's 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 as all over the place as your career. It's it's everybody from <laughs> country artists I've never heard of to like Wilco. Yeah, it it it, it, it yeah. It, I mean, 
the the first year was was it was really fun telling people the lineup. You know, it was, it was <laughs> well. First of all, first of all, there were three W bands. There was um, there was uh, Wilco. Yeah. And then there was Weezer, which you know, I mean, diff- they're different, but it's it, that's you know. And then there was Willie Nelson. <laughs> so right it, it just it, it really yeah, it's it definitely all over the place, but. It's a lot of fun. It's you know three three producers. Well, now four, but three initially, and the, it's all independent. So it's not it's not run by an EEG or a Live Nation or a C three or anything like that. It's it's all independent. Um, I bet it's fun to hang out in catering and just watch like Willie Nelson people and Weezer people <laughs> hang out and and have insane conversations. You know? Yeah. Well, if I ever had any time to hang out in catering, I I, I imagine <laughs> it would be fun. All right. Uh, but no, it's it's a you know it's a lot of fun and I you know I got on and and honestly it, it, listen I, I got the here's what's funny I got the gig thanks to Kevin Lyman uh, he was an advisor for the festival uh-huh. and um, and there was there was a point where he's like okay who's your production manager like oh we don't have one he's like okay stop everything you're doing you need a production manager you're going to be talking about staging and lighting and right, video right, right. and local crew and backline and all this stuff you need a production manager he said listen i don't know what he's doing but i've got a guy who i think would be perfect for this let me hit him up and so kevin called me and said hey what are you doing are you and i said well i just quit my management gig i couldn't fucking deal with it anymore he's like okay so this might be perfect so let me introduce you to these guys and, and it all worked out and it's great and it's so it's it's a lot of fun so but i like the fact that i got in from you know and i we were you know i was with these guys to build it from the ground up so there's a lot of there's a lot of freedom to allow me to do what i think should be done but okay. there's also but it's not like i come in and i'm like okay this is how it's going to work deal with it you know i have to it, it, sure, it, sure. It's it's like working on Warp Tour, where you know we had a lot of people involved. There was a lot of important people with a lot of responsibilities involved. So we all had to communicate with each other, and we all had to work together. So, and that's what this was. This is a brand new festival. It's with three guys I've never fucking met or worked with, but I've got to communicate with them, and we have to work together. And so it's it's a lot of fun, and they're a lot of fun, and. And it's it's cool. And then, you know, a year ago, I opened a restaurant with two of my friends. <laughs> I I was just going to ask you about that, man. This is getting to be a lengthy conversation, and I love it. This is great. But yeah, how on earth did that happen? Apparently, you're you're uh, you mentioned on again going back to the trap set. It's all four minute. It's all building off of that. Um, you mentioned you've always been into like like uh, cooking to the point where like you would obsess over grilled cheese when you were younger it, it didn't look right it had to look a certain way you wanted yes. to like garnish it and make it look nice yes. and everything dude i yes. wish you made my grilled cheese but <laughs> mine looked like i threw them from across the room you know but <laughs> but uh but apparently you're into like you're into cooking and culinary stuff and everything it's amazing where the hell do you have time to run a restaurant i i don't know I, I, nowadays i feel like i'm there the most um but, but I still like, I, I, you know, I, it's a smaller restaurant. Um, it, you know, it, it's definitely fun. It, it has its challenges, but I, I will say, thankfully it's a successful restaurant. Good. So we, the struggles that I have to deal with aren't so much like, Oh, we can't pay our bills. Oh, we can't pay payroll. That's never, that's not a problem. Thank God. Um, 
the, the issues are more operational, like um, employees. <laughs> uh, you're just dealing with all that stuff. But we're 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 working we're working to to get me away from that. That okay. soon I will not have to deal with that as much. Okay. Um, and and we're we're planning on um, our, our new thing now uh, is we're we're planning on uh, opening a, a second location. So we're we're trying to focus our energy on opening a second restaurant. But um, and these are yeah, in Nashville. Yeah, it's in Nashville. Yeah, okay. it, it, like probably six years ago, uh, shortly after I moved to Nashville, I, I became friends with the, the, this this one guy, uh, Danny Nicoletto, and um, and then his brother moved down here and and we just you know they're musicians i was a musician and we we just we, we became really good friends and we would spend many a drunken night at the bar talking about how fun it would be to open a restaurant because we we all love food and we've all worked in restaurants before and whatever blah 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 you know and it was like literally it was like five years straight of just you know like once a month we'd be at the bar and at, well we'd be at the bar probably four nights a week but once a month, we'd have one of those nights where we would just be like, man, remember how we talked about opening a restaurant? We should really do that. And literally, it's like five years of that. But <laughs> we actually started doing it and started planning it. And, and, um, and they, uh, the two brothers ended up, I was really busy with, with management stuff and, and uh, you know, other things. And they, they went ahead and opened a pasta company. Um, pasta so company? Yeah, pasta company. Yeah, okay. so we developed uh, a recipe, our own recipe on uh, making pasta. Okay. I mean, obviously, it was based on other recipes, but we found what worked best for us and what we liked the most. And so they ended up running with it, and they they found a space. They bought a bunch of you know machinery, all from Italy, and you know, and they went ahead and did it, and they you know made dried pasta and and fresh pasta and sold it at farmers markets and okay. you know independent stores around Nashville, and then we. Then we found a spot that kind of seemed too perfect to be true, and um, but it, that wasn't the case because it was true, it came true, and we opened a restaurant. So it it all happened, and we we did the build out ourselves. I mean, we were we were you know spent like you know four months building it out and like laying the floors ourselves and you know doing the tile work ourselves and you know building just doing everything ourselves and and then yeah opened it up and. And it's 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 done well. Italian restaurant, I assume. It is, yeah. It's called Nicoletto's Italian Kitchen. I'm not trying to plug it. I'm just saying, no, you know. Go ahead. I don't care. Conversation's sake, but yeah, it's like it's a it's basically a fast casual Italian restaurant. Everything's done fresh. We make all of our own fresh pasta. So every when you you come in and you build your own pasta bowl. So it's kind of like right. it's it's kind of, think of it think of it this way. This is the best way for me to describe what it's like. Oh, it's talk, talk slow. I'm starving. This is great. No, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it, essentially, it's it's the Italian version of Chipotle. Okay. So you, you walk up to the counter. You pick your own. You pick a pasta. We have like usually every day we have eight different cuts and different flavors of pasta, and they're all fresh pasta. Oh, um, and boy. then you pick a sauce, and we have a number of sauces, and then you can pick. What you want to go on top of it? Meatballs, Italian sausage, veggies, you know, whatever, sautéed mushrooms, right on. whatever. We have vegan meatballs as well. But so you build your own pasta bowl, and but because it, we have fresh pasta, it cooks in three minutes. So it's all it's all made to order. But it, you know, you by the time you order to the time you get your food, you should have your food within five minutes. 
Um, but everything's made from scratch. We make all of our own sauces uh, from scratch. We make our own um, house-made herb focaccia bread that you get a little slice of focaccia bread with each possible. We also do sandwiches, meatball sandwich, Italian beef sandwich, vegan meatball sub. We oh do God. salads. Okay, stop. You're you're turning me on. Literally, stop. Yeah. <laughs> Can you open the second location in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania? I'll help you manage it. I don't know how, but I'll help. I'll do what I can. Sure. No problem. (laughs) Sweet. I've always dreamed of opening a restaurant in Bethlehem. You're full of shit. Don't tell me that. Nah. But yeah, so that's – so basically without totally being invited, I just went through my entire life and that's basically where I'm at right now. That's – I mean all I was going to do was steer you there anyway. You already knew where you wanted to go. This is cool, man. That's great. That's what I wanted to hear. Cool. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad. This is this is a great conversation because, um, yeah, I didn't want to go like techie. Like, what kind of sticks do you use? Who gives a shit? But, but yeah. uh, no, I, 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 this is this is exactly what I wanted to hear. It was a really, really long version of, uh, of um, everything that you've been into and everything because, I, I mean, we didn't even cover everything. You didn't, you didn't go into gory details about a lot of the bands or anything, but... No. But, uh, no, I loved it, man. That's great. I'll save that for my book. No, oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know. Your um, book should be, um, yeah. if you were going to title your book, it would be. It might, it, it might be called, it, it, I literally just thought of this. If I were to ever write a book, I would consider the name all over the map because I think that ties into the touring you know, using a map to go all over the world. Sure. And also just like, just, I've just been personally all over the map with doing different things. I mean, I just, yep. you know, but, but I, I, I'd say this to, to kind of cap off, you know, my life story. Um, I think a part of me, and I used to say this a lot and I still say it from time to time, but I really used to say it a lot because I truly, truly believed it. And I still do. We are sponges, and we we no matter what, I still learn things. I still pick stuff up, and I still want to learn things. If I didn't want to learn something, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't care to, you know, it, it be a better business owner. You know, if I didn't read certain books or, right. you know, go to certain, you know, uh, not classes but uh, events, whatever. Listen to people talk, but. Um, that's how that's how I always felt. I just always felt like uh, I just I want to learn. And I think part of it too is because I dropped out of high school. I dropped out of high school when I was eighteen. Oh, okay. Uh, I had like one more year to go than most of my other friends because I I did poorly in school because all I cared about doing was was well, partied and playing music. Right. So schoolwork, homework, not really my thing. Uh, but. You know, I got an opportunity to go on tour when I was 18 years old, and the only way I'd be able to do it is if I was not in school. And at that point, I was like, this is all I want to do. This is all I want to do. All I want to do is play music and go on tour. I have that opportunity. Why would I pass it up to stay in school? I don't give a shit about this. I'm not doing it. Like, I'm done. I've reached my – I'm done. Like, I should be gone already, but because I fucking failed, I got to be here another year. Fuck it, I'm done. I don't <laughs> Goodbye. Do yeah. <laughs> right. So I did, and like you know, my mom, of course, she would rather have seen me finish high school, but she knew, and my counselor, she knew. She's like, you know what? Like they all gave me the blessing, you know, to go, and I did it, and 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 I'm okay with that. But so, but like I knew, and I never went to college. 
you know, I, I just never did. I never went to college. I never went to community college. I never took any courses after the age of 18. I never mm-hmm. did. But what I did do, and this I've told people this before, and I truly believe it and I stand by it. Every time I went on tour, every time I traveled, you know, around the world to go on tour, every time I, you know, drum tech or tour manager or whatever, that, that was my school. That was my, luckily for the most part, uh, at least later on in life, I actually got paid to do it. I right. mean, you know, I'm, you know, one of few uh, people my age that, you know, aren't still dealing with, you know, paying off college loans, you know, because I, I didn't you, go to college. You, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, yeah. I was just going to say, go to school, get a business degree, uh, run up a bunch of debt, and eventually apply to hopefully get a job as uh, the production, whatever your title is there at the pilgrimage. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And then, and then like, or, or you have shit tons, virtual decades of road experience that gets you there, and you're not 60 grand in debt. I'm not bashing college. I'm just saying it's not the only friggin' way, man. Yeah, it's definitely not the only friggin' way. I mean, uh, and for people I know who did go to college and got a degree and are doing something with that degree, degree that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's, kill it. That's, that's the way it should be. I, w- I also know a lot of people who went to college for whether it was four years or two years or six years or eight years, and they're not doing anything with that degree. Right. But I, it's not to say they're bad people. It's not to say that they were stupid and they fucked up. I think a lot of it, too, is parents are, that are like, no, you're going to college. I don't care what you say. I don't care. You, you got your little fucking band. You want to go on tour? No. <laughs> right. College, going to school. This is how it's going to be, whether, you know, the, their parents paid for it or, you know, the, the, the student or the friend of mine, you know, they had to pay for it, whatever it is. I mean, it's, it, it's all, you know, it's different circumstances. My circumstance just happened to be I got an offer to go on tour when I was 18 and I took it and I left school and I never looked back. And I, you know, I only looked forward. That's what I did. I looked forward. I wanted to keep going and keep progressing. And, and that's why I think that opportunity when Hey Mercedes ended and I got the offer to go drum tech, I took it. It was an offer. It was, you know, yep. it, it, it was, it was something different. It was, you know, okay, great. Well, I've already toured playing drums in a band, even though that's what I want to do. But this, this is kind of a cool idea. This is a neat idea. And then that led to where I am today. I mean, like, I could be that kind of person that just sits around and says, man, what, what if I turned down that drum tech gig in, in 2005? What if I, what if I held out for a drum gig? Where would that have led me? What would that have done? Where would that have, where would I have gone? And who knows, maybe I would have ended up playing in the fucking greatest biggest band ever who knows i don't know i was gonna say i from everything that i've heard you say for the past hour and 40 minutes if you would have turned down that drum tech gig you'd have been fine you'd have figured something else out because you're you're a busybody you're just somebody that wants to learn more you want to learn something new every day you want to do a good job at it and and that's the path that it's not the path you chose man you chose to take your first step out the door and that that path chose you you know, yeah, it would have yeah. been something else if you would have turned left instead of right. You'd have figured shit out. You know. Oh turned. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about still being stuck at the temp job. You know, I, right, I think right. something would have happened. Something, you know, that, as everything progressed from 2005 until now, and and how many different paths that that sort of led me on. I know that it, it would have 
been fine the, the other way. Had I turned that gig down, had I held out for, t- for a drum gig, um, I, I'm sure it would have been fine and it would have been a different path in my life. But the point is, I'm not the kind of guy, I've never once, other than just mentioning it in situations like this, I've never once sat and really contemplated what would have, what would my life look like had I gone a different route? Like I don't think about that stuff. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't think about the past. I don't. You know. I mean, I think about the past in a pleasant way. I right. think about the past where I reflect on it, and I I can even learn from some things. You know, if I look back sure. to when I first started tour managing, man, I know so much more now than I did then. Even though I don't tour manage anymore, but right. Right. still, right. Right. anyways. You'd have been fine. That's it. But yeah, I mean, you know, so that's that's what I do. So uh, pilgrimage, production manager, restaurant tour, and still from time to time play with Hey Mercedes and Braid. You know, at end of this couple weeks, uh, Hey Mercedes, we're going to Japan. We're playing a couple shows in Japan. Yes. And I'm stoked on that. So I'm st- a, I'm stoked on going to Japan. And B, I'm stoked to play with Hey Mercedes because I really, really enjoy that. Not that I don't enjoy Braid. I enjoy both of, both of them, but they're a little different. Yeah, it's just, yeah. it, it, just a little bit of – there's enough of a difference where like we've been doing the Braid thing for the last couple of years, and I, re- I do enjoy that, and I like that. And it's, it, There's nothing wrong with that at all. But it's, it's been a lot of fun this past year playing Hey Mercedes songs again. So – I'm looking you, forward to doing that. And you guys, you guys took off so much time too, and then you you came back with you came back with no coast. It didn't it didn't suck. Like this isn't this isn't ass kiss or anything. You guys didn't come back with okay. I guess it's time for it. Let's crank out an album so people buy some. No coast is okay. You ready? Everybody, am I am I safe? Am I alone in here? I think no coast is your best album. Oh man, thank you. Thank dead, you. Dead, dead serious. I mean, Frame and Canvas has the nostalgic thing in 1998. Oh, oh my God, yeah. it's Frame and Canvas. Yeah, yeah. And and um, yeah, there's lots of good shit on other albums and everything. But I mean, No Coast front to back is like a smart, crafted, amazing. And and I mean, dude, I love that record. I think I I still I think it's your best album. Thank, dude. Thank you so much. I mean, I. I I'm a I'm a big fan of it. I mean, uh, I'll be honest. Like when when we when we got when we recorded that and it was done, I listened to it a lot. Yeah. Because I, I, I was happy about it. I was. Yeah. It's one of those things. Like, I think there's a lot of musicians who don't. They either don't listen to their own records or they don't admit that they listen to their own records. No, they listen to their own records and they're and they're lying. They're yeah, lying. Yeah, that's what I think. Because it, here's the thing: if you're going to take that much time and effort do something like spend a year writing music and then spend you know how many weeks or months recording it and mixing and mastering and all that stuff um if you're gonna take all that time and energy to do something of your own and you don't like it enough to listen to it often come on what the fuck then you did something wrong i agree so they're lying <laughs> yeah but we, so but yeah so th- but thank you for saying that i really do appreciate it and, and, and it you know there was a lot of really positive reviews when that record came out which was awesome because we didn't know we hadn't made a record in you know forever however long it was what yeah. it just so uh, we didn't know what to expect we didn't know what people were gonna say or think or feel or you know, but we were pleasantly surprised and, and um, knocked and- it out of the park.
let's cover let's cover these two things real quick, and then I, I and then I guess you know I, I can let you go finally. Um, okay. What is the status of Hey Mercedes, and what is the status of Braid? Um, hey Mercedes, the only status is that we're you know I think we're 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 okay playing a couple shows here and there, um, um, but I, there's no there's not been any talk about writing new music or recording a record or anything like that. Okay. Uh, not to say that that we we won't talk about that, but it's I, I don't think we're there. I think a lot of it's, you know, there's actually been a little bit more talk about record, uh, writing, starting to write for a new Braid record. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I, I think I would still like to. Obviously, we're going to Japan at the end of this month. Hey, Mercedes is. I, I would personally like to go hit a couple other places that we didn't get the chance to last summer. Um, Texas, um, you know, maybe the Northwest, possibly. <laughs> Uh, so that's that. So there's really not much to 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 talk about in regards to Hey Mercedes. Um, okay. Uh, you know, I think uh, this isn't guaranteed, but I think we would probably look to do something similar. Um, I guess it would maybe. When would that be? Next year or the year after? I gotta. I don't know. I can't think about it. But um, <laughs> do something that loses control. Like we did this past summer it was the 15th anniversary of of Every Night Fireworks. So we had it remastered. We had, you know, songs from the Weekend EP that we just included on there, did a double LP. And Bix you know. and my little angel, Chris Bickert, made yes. sure that me and my buddy got the two copies that we wanted. Oh, good. Perfect. Yeah. I think I think I might have gotten, uh, I, I think I may have gotten the last copy you guys had for the road on that's, vinyl. That's, that's feasible. Yeah, that's very feasible. Go that, Bix. Good, good Bix. Love that guy. Dude, what's um, not to love? Uh, so I think we've talked about um, wanting maybe to do that with loses control. So we would go out on tour and um, play loses control, start to finish, and then do a couple other, you know, every night fireworks songs or whatever. That would be killer. Um, yeah, that would be a lot of fun because that's a that's a whole that's a whole nother record. It's just a little bit of a different vibe to that one. So that'd be fun to do. Braid. Um, yeah, we've talked about uh, this year at some point, maybe towards the end of the year, maybe uh, to start writing um, new music to do a new yeah, record, right? Uh, which will be a lot of fun. Um, but we also have, and I can't really go into too many details because it's all just in the beginning stages. But you know how bands like us, we're all about anniversaries. So next year marks the 20th anniversary of Frame and Canvas. Ah. So, we have some ideas and thoughts, and again, I my apology, I can't really talk about much because okay, no, that's fine. Nothing's set in stone, but um, I think probably, possibly remix, remaster. Um, you know, that record for anyone who doesn't know that record, Frame and Canvas, we recorded and mixed that record in five days. Wow, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, five days at Inner Ear Studios in, in, in Washington, D.C. Actually, I think it was Arlington, Virginia. Uh-huh. And Jay, Jay Robbins uh, engineered and produced it. Right, I knew Jay was involved. I didn't know it was such a rush job. Wow. It was five days. That's literally all we could afford or do. Or I don't know, I don't know why it was only five days, uh, but I just know that it was five days. Uh-huh. And so r- really three of those days were 
were two and a half to three of those days were tracking. And the other, so about two, two and a half days were mixing. Mastering happened later on at some point, but we weren't involved with that. Oh, my we, but God. Like, All right. Yeah. Everything. Would you, ever, would you ever consider re-recording? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I, I, I think I would. I think it'd be fun because I think it would sound so much better, but it would be completely different. It would have to be like digital copy only. Like free, here you go. We just fucked around and just did this for the hell of it. Oh, okay. All right. It's, it, it's kind of like it's like remaking a movie, you know, but, it's, but, but with the same cast. I don't know. I mean, if you, yeah, but if you shot the movie, if you shot the movie in five days and threw it together, and 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 you've been spending the past twenty years going, fuck, man, we only had five days to do that. I don't know, yeah, man. But no one's. I, but but like people don't do that for a reason. I, I think, I think I would be interested to hear how it sounds if we re-recorded it and we had more time to do it, and uh, th- that would be fun for me because there's elements of that record where I'm like, well, that doesn't sound the greatest. Um, I'd buy it. But, I'd buy it. But but. That record's been out for almost 20 years. So anybody who knows that record or had even if people had come across that record within the last year or five years, that's what they know. That's that sonically, that's what that record is. And sonically, I think people connect to that as much as they do the actual guitar notes and the lyrics and the drum beats. And it's all a, it's a it's a package deal. It just is. So if you re-record it, it's a total. It's going to sound completely different. This, it'll still be the same songs. It'll still be the same parts. It wouldn't be like an arrangement. Uh, we wouldn't change arrangements, but it would just. It, it just. It would be such a different thing. I, I don't think any of us would be into doing it. Okay. But just like if if we could give Jay Robbins more than forty eight hours to mix that record, I would love to do that. And I, I would hope that he would be, I would hope that he would be into doing it. Uh, I don't know that he is. I, I would hope he is, but until we ask him, I don't know. But hopefully by the time this comes out, maybe we'll have already had that conversation. But, uh, <laughs> but there's okay. some other, there's some other really fun, uh, fun, interesting things we're we're working on for that. Not just remixing, remastering. There's some other fun things we're talking about for the for this record. Sweet. Um, so yeah, we're we're just we're, I mean we're literally in the beginning stages of of what that's going to look like, but I think that'll be something we do, and I would imagine that we would um, probably tour on it. And and I don't here's the, the the difficult thing with either of these bands in regards to touring is that we all have other things going on, and and mainly. Chris has two kids. He's married with two kids. Uh, okay. Todd's married with two kids. And Todd's also a school teacher. I mean, Chris can definitely get away. Um, I know that for a fact. And I, mm-hmm. I, he would like to not get away from his family. That would be the difficult part because he, he's a great dad and he loves his family. And he's right, got a, right, right. an adorable family. But, but, um, but to be able to go out and actually tour he would love to. I, I know Bob. I think Bob would like to do that as well. Right. I totally be into it. It just depends on when it would be. But I, I think I could do it. I'm, I'm essentially, you know, independent contractor sort of work for myself. I, I've got that flexibility. Todd's the only one w- with with less flexibility. He he's a school teacher, but that does mean he, has, he does have summers off, which is go. the only that's the only time 
Braid and or Hey Mercedes have ever toured in the last five years. Right. I understand. During, during the summer. Right. But I, what we've always tend to do is we'll do like, we'll start in Chicago and we'll go out east and do like, you know, do like seven to ten shows out east and then we'll go out west and do like, you know, Southern California, maybe, maybe Northern, we'll do California. And that's usually about it. And then we usually hit like, you know, Florida for fast and or Atlanta for wrecking ball. But I would actually like to, whether it's, whether it's next year with braid based around the 20th anniversary of frame and canvas, or if it's Hey Mercedes in two years, when we go out and do loses control anniversary, um, I would actually like to tour. Yeah. It doesn't have to be an eight week tour. It could literally, it could be a three or four week tour, but actually make a go at it and like go hit other cities. Like there's a lot of, and I, we kind of feel like jerks about it. We kind of feel like, and I, I hate, I think as a fan of the band, I'd be bummed at this. Cause like if there's like favorite bands of mine, if I see that they announce tour dates and I'm scrolling through the list and I don't see Nashville, I'm like, well, what the fuck, man? Right. Right. The fuck you expect me to travel when I got to go I, the closest you're coming is St. Louis. I got to go to St. Louis. Six hour drive. <laughs> right. It's a quick flight, but now I got to go to St. Louis. If I want to see you, that sucks. It's the same thing with us. You know, there's a lot of places that Braden Hay Mercedes have not hit in many, many, many years. And I think that's unfair to any fans of ours that we have in those areas. And so I would like to try my hardest to um, make it up to those people, you know, but you know, that might mean that we play in, you know, Des Moines for 200 people. Uh, right. Whereas we could play, you know, to more people in Chicago and, you know, people, but people have to travel, but it's like, it's kind of how I feel about destination weddings. It's kind of a dick move. You know? It's like, hey, you're invited to the wedding, but it's in the fucking Bahamas. So, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, it's a cool place. Who doesn't want to go there? Sure. But you got to you gotta buy your own fucking plane ticket. You yeah, get, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, hotel at the Atlantis Resort. It's like what did Elaine? What did Elaine call those on Seinfeld? Aren't they aren't they invitations? Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that I think you might be right. I, Something I, like that rings a bell. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's but that's that's pretty much right. Like, I mean, that's one hell of a way to save on you know wedding costs because if you do it in your hometown where everyone lives, everyone's coming. You have to feed everyone's everybody. Expect, right. Everyone's expecting an open bar. Right. If you do it in the fucking Bahamas, you know your fucking friends can't afford to go. So. <laughs> There you go. You have like twelve people at your wedding. So, so you guys, you guys need to set up a tour where you hit Des Moines and the Bahamas, <laughs> right? <laughs> so basically, basically terrible what idea. I'm saying, basically what I'm saying is, Braden Hay Mercedes over the last five years of touring, we've 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 basically just been holding destination weddings, right? Um, but I th- I would really like to go out there and do it. And again, I we don't know, and with it, that we never expect when we when we book shows, we never expect to be like, well, we're you know, we we did really well back in the day, and so I think our shows are going to be huge. No, it's actually quite the opposite. This past tour that we did with Hey Mercedes, we booked smaller venues for that reason. Yeah, really. Just, because we had no idea. We really didn't know. Uh, we would rather have booked small venues and sell them out 
so that the promoter is not losing their ass and it feels good to the to the crowd and it feels good for us on stage uh, or you know book small venues and it sells out really quick and then we add a second date or we bump it up into a bigger venue but but if you start at bigger venues because you feel like that's where you deserve to play and then you only sell half the amount of tickets that fucking sucks. It yeah, just does. It does. It's but shitty. What are you gonna do, man? I mean, the, it's the 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 touring the touring thing is saturated right now. You do what you can. You handle what you can. And yeah, I mean, I've noticed it lately. There, it seems like um, bands are coming through Philadelphia on a Tuesday. Yeah. Okay, I can't oh. go. Yeah. But, right. But I, yeah, I'm not on Twitter like fucking jerk. <laughs> like right. I, you right. can't. You can't whatever dude it, it it then again i'm your age so i mean like okay cool yeah. if i can make it cool if not i'm not gonna die without seeing them this time no big deal but right exactly yeah but that's that's the that's the gig if if you if you can't if you can't see that band there's there's nine bands coming behind them for the next week settle down you know yeah exactly yeah so i so uh, you know uh, that's one of my goals i think whatever whatever whichever band tours next braid or Hammer Cities, I'd like to to make a push to do it a lot longer, and actually go out and, and hit more cities and and don't you know like really poor Texas. We've just left Texas hanging. Yeah, Braid did in 2012, I think it was. We did uh, Fun 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 Fest. It's now called something else, but back then it was Fun Fun Fun. So that was nice, but you know, <laughs> clever. Yeah, but we haven't, you know, we we just need to, you know, I just, I've, I've, I, I, there's a little bit of guilt there, is basically what I'm saying. Okay, I, I, I understand. Little, I understand. I've got a little bit of guilt that, you know, if, if and again, I don't care if if we're going, you know, I don't know that we would. I honestly don't think we would ever book Des Moines, Iowa, um, but I'm not opposed to playing there. But if it's playing cities like that. Because there's a little bit of a demand, and if if we're only if we're playing a small bar for 200 people, I don't give a shit. That's right. fine. Right. That's right. 200 people. That's 200 people who want to see us. Mm-hmm. And then there might be a city where we play a thousand capacity venue and it sells out. And it, but that's in a major city, and that's you know so that's great. It's it's not it's not necessarily about the numbers. Obviously, it's more about at this stage, it's more about us playing for the people who want to see us. Right. So, so we'll see. There's things, there's things on the horizon. I can't really, you know, there's, I, I can't say, you know, there's anything like insane crazy. I think the, the, the biggest insane crazy thing that we're going to be working on is this 20th anniversary of framing, framing canvas. And once we have more details, we'll, we'll get it out there, but that's it. That's all I got, man. I'm done.
nothing else to talk about. No. You told me your whole life. Thanks so much, man. I, 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 I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking two hours out of, the, I think, the busiest life I've ever heard. <laughs> and and talking to some clown who just wanted to talk to you so i really appreciate it man that's yeah, cool it's all good i mean it, you wanted to talk to me i'm happy to to to, to talk and it, it like you said earlier about you know biting on my on my beats uh or you know being influenced by by me as a drummer again it's 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 all flattery and, and when when you asked me to be a you know if i would ever do your podcast. I was like, yeah, of course. Why not? I, I mean, sure. I may be a busy guy, but I can, you know, I can make the time. I mean, you know, we had to reschedule this thing like three times, but <laughs> well, you're uh, on the restaurant, dude. I get it. It's okay. Yeah. But uh, it, but it, it, uh, you know, I, I, I like talking. If you, like I said, if you, you actually want to hear me talk, I'm happy to talk. And, and hopefully people who listen to your podcast will find at least a portion of this somewhat entertaining. <laughs> I'll figure out how to make it entertaining. <laughs> awesome thanks man cool, appreciate man. it yeah you're welcome dude we'll 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 hopefully talk soon and and maybe uh within the near future we'll see you again back in philly yeah man that sounds good Grows is a part of Lavera Productions. High five. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook at As the Story Grows and visit the site at asthestorygrows.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss anything and subscribe to my YouTube page so you can see unedited interviews. Visit the Bandcamp link in the notes of this show for free cover songs, some free tunes, and merch. If you like what you heard and would like to help, there's a Patreon link on every episode. Or you can look for the dollar sign on the website for one-time donations. If you can't afford to donate, that's totally okay. Tell a friend, retweet me, and give me a good rating on iTunes. Send your guest requests and any feedback for the show to asthestorygrows at gmail.com. And thank you so much for listening today. Take care. Bye-bye.